I love Ephesians chapter 2. If you look at the first 10 verses, Paul in very few verses tells us who we used to be, where we used to be. He tells us where we are today and the power for where we are today in God's grace. He gives our identity and he gives us our purpose. This may be the see our sermon next year. So this is a preview. Ephesians chapter 2. Before we begin this morning, I've got a couple of things that I forgot in the introduction. Brian mentioned uh, the good folks that are worshiping via that camera right up there. If you don't think that's a little bit intimidating, that's the last thing I saw before I stood up. That all-seeing eye. I would like to remember the folks specifically Herm Wilson and Margie Casebolt, who haven't been able to be with us for some time. I don't know if Herm and Margie are watching this morning. I'm not sure if they could get the live stream uh, where Herm is spending the last couple of days in healthcare before he moves back to his apartment on Monday. God is good. So Herm, Margie, good morning. God bless. If you see this uh, this morning, terrific. If you see it next week, uh, that'll be fine too. One last thing before I begin my comments this morning. I have something personal that I would like to say publicly uh, to everybody that's working at CR today. I don't often give the chance to, uh, to thank you for what you do. You know who you are. You know what you do every Thursday night. You know how important you are to the ministry, and you know how uh, I feel about you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's very humbling to be allowed to speak on your behalf this morning. This is our plan for the sermon this morning. Trying something a little different today. I've got my notes and the clicker. I'm supposed to breathe as well. So if I'm talking and clicking and fall over because I forgot to breathe, we'll give the clicker back to Dave next year. I'll give you just a very short update on Celebrate Recovery. Maybe that you're new to Northside in the last uh, year or two, and you are not fully versed on this uh, on this ministry. We'll take a look at uh, at one of my favorite stories now in Acts chapter three. Uh, we'll talk about how I came to select that chapter, and then we'll close up with four things that I hope that you understand about CR uh, after our lesson this morning. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program. There are three critical differences between Celebrate Recovery and any other 12-step program that you might be familiar with. First of all, we gratefully, proudly acknowledge Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit as our higher power. Secular 12-step programs simply refer to a higher power as if there were others available to them. We know who our power is and where our strength comes from. Secondly, we celebrate recovery. We do not celebrate our past. We do not celebrate our afflictions, our struggles. I'm a grateful Recovering from anger and bitterness and anxiety from some unplanned job changes. 
My name's Doug. We didn't rehearse that at all. You get that for free. We don't celebrate where we have been. Our problems are not our identity. Our problems are not our future. We are God's handiwork, Ephesians chapter 2. The third major difference in Celebrate Recovery, we use the broadest possible definition of recovery. Since we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, at CR we consider that everyone needs recovery. Some things have been done to us and they are not our fault. Other times, long ago or presently, we make bad choices. We have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But our recovery is in God. So what's new in Celebrate Recovery in the last 12 months? We met a man about 12 or 13 months ago who suffered from an addiction his entire adult life. To my knowledge, to his testimony every week over the past year, he has not uh, dealt with that uh, habit. He has not indulged himself in that addiction for over a year now. He's working very hard on his recovery. It's, um, it's a blessing to work with him each week. He gives all the power to God, as, as he should, but I know how hard he has worked to come to this place in her, his recovery He's in our step study group this afternoon at 5.30. The second story that I have for you, uh, first of all, with safety and confidentiality and Celebrate Recovery, every time we tell any story about someone at CR, we take away the personal information and uh, the identifying information, and we go to that person and ask their permission. This is serious business when you start talking about other people. I can tell you about my recovery, and I'll do it anytime you want to talk about it. But when we talk about somebody else's story, we make sure that we get, uh, that we get their permission. Second story is a single mom. We met about a year ago, a little bit longer than that. She's not in my group, so I don't know the specifics of her story. I do know from conversations with her that she was sick and tired of her life before she came to Northside for the first time. She, uh, she had a series of hurts and habits and hang-ups. She was tired of the way she was living. When she came into our building, she didn't know for sure how it was going to turn out. She graduated our last step study. God is still good. Our third story uh, is a member here at Northside. She has c- completed our Healing Grace step study and then immediately turned around and volunteered to lead a small group in the current step study. We are blessed every week with stories like this. Now I should tell you the rest of the story. Every single day for the past year, we've been engaged in warfare. Peter tells us that the devil roams around looking for individuals to prey on. I told my step study group last Sunday, because I'm convinced that they are wholly in to, this, uh, to their recovery. I said sometime soon, sometime in the next day or two or ten, Satan is going to come specifically at you. Because he desperately wants to interrupt this fledgling recovery. If it's been a while since you felt pressured by Satan, maybe you need to think about whether or not you're doing enough in the kingdom. 
Are you causing enough of a problem to Satan for him to come around and attack you? There have been relapses, small ones, big ones. There has been forgiveness, been a lot of prayers and a lot of grace, and a lot of getting back, getting back up from those mistakes. That's how things go in recovery. That's how we're doing at CR these days. Always marvel, it, it's always a marvel to me uh, how Toby finds a specific scripture for his sermon. You may wonder how it happens for the rest of us. I'll tell you that a couple of months ago, Karen and I were in Texas visiting the grandchildren. I was up before anybody else in the house, and I was in, uh, happened to be in the book of Acts with my daily reading. How many times do you think I've looked at Acts chapter 3? I've lost count. I knew the story. But Acts chapter 3, verse 12, has this statement, Why are you amazed at this? One of the translations, why do you marvel at this? Two months ago, I knew where the CR sermon was coming from. Acts chapter 3. So what I would like to do this morning... I would like for you to read the scripture silently to yourselves. I've given you a couple of yellow highlights that I think will focus our attention on some things. I'll give you a little color commentary from the side. Let's see what uh, Luke and the Holy Spirit would tell us about uh, this example of ministry in the first church, in the early church. And I'll try to bring some parallels between Acts chapter 3 and Celebrate Recovery. The last few verses of chapter 2 indicate that a number of things happened between Peter's first sermon earlier in chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. The first uh, 12 to 16 verses are where we are this morning. But uh, a number of good things were happening. And as Luke begins chapter 3 in our Bibles, chapter 3, we find Luke, we find Peter and John going to the temple to pray. I think it's a fair assumption to think that among the other good things that were happening in the early church, the very early church, Peter and John went to the temple periodically, daily. This was a daily time of prayer, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to meet a lame man, a beggar, who had to be carried to this spot in Jerusalem. I hadn't thought about it until this week. I suspect that Peter and John had seen this beggar before. This might be his spot on the street, and Peter and John might have walked by any number of times. But in God's timing, this was going to be a good day for that beggar, going to be a good day for the early church, for all the people that knew that beggar, and a good day for us when we come to understand what the Spirit would want us to know. I'm not sure how hard the beggar worked at his, uh, at his craft. I suspect if I was a beggar, I uh, had no way to get anywhere, had no way to make a living of any kind. I had to be carried to a public place. I think I would be a little ticked off that you didn't get me there until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Chances are very good that the beggar was not a very happy story. Lame from birth, he'd never walked. I suspect his 
His uh, mat was dirty. I suspect his clothing was dirty. I suspect he was a pitiable sight. I also think it's a reasonable assumption that any number of people walked by him and never gave him any mind whatsoever. The beggar was there doing his doing his best to make ends meet. He might have been chanting alms for the poor. He might have been doing a number of things. But he wasn't looking at Peter and John except maybe to acknowledge that these two uh, poor fishermen, not, uh, not a likely mark for a lot of money from these two. Peter and John were about to walk by and Peter said, look at us. So the beggar looked up. This is, uh, this is something new. I don't get a lot of people that want to engage with me. It's one of, one of the parallels with Celebrate Recovery. No matter where someone comes from when they come to us, we do our best to make a personal contact. We look at them. We want them to look at us. We have an opportunity to touch them with the power of Jesus. And we don't want to miss that opportunity. When the, when the beggar looked at Peter and John, because Peter asked him to look, his, his hopes were raised. The only time that anybody said anything to the beggar was, here's a couple of coins. I had a little extra. So the man looked up, and then Peter dashed his hopes. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. Put yourself in the shoes of that beggar. You're carried to a public place. You know that everybody's going to ignore you, most everybody. When someone finally says something to you and you look up and you have some reason to think that maybe uh, you'll get enough to buy a, a humble meal, then the next words out of Peter's mouth, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. There's a roller coaster in recovery. There's a roller coaster in the lives of many of the people that we touch. There are precious few uh, high points. And I think Satan probably uses the high points. And this may be a curious thing. You may not have thought of it this way. But when someone in our ministry, someone that we're trying to minister to, when they have a couple of good days... It gets their hopes up. They think that, you know, I've finally accomplished this. I know that this isn't what God wants me to do, but it's been a week or a month or 30 days since I did it. Satan's waiting for them because their recovery isn't built on Christ. Their recovery is built on something that they think they have accomplished on their own. And he dashes that. The more times he, the more times that they fail, the more times that they relapse, the worse it gets, the deeper they fall. Let's take, uh, let's take a little bit of time on this next slide because I think it's important. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. I mentioned that we try to make personal contact with the people that come to us at CR. It's very important that they know that Jesus has worked in my life. 
My recovery is important to them. Your recovery is important to them. Because before they see Jesus' power uh, as, a, as a possible way for them to recover, they really need to see that recovery. They really need to see that power of Jesus in my life and in your life. One of our challenges is that some CR newcomers don't want to be touched. They, they're at the building, but they would just as soon stand apart. See, we don't know what their experience has been at other churches. We don't know what their experience has been with other church folks. Maybe they've tried this at another building. Maybe they've tried this with another church, and they weren't welcome. They didn't smell very good. Their lifestyle was not very Christian-like. We have a challenge uh, reaching out and sharing the power of Jesus with some folks, and Satan uses Uh, their past experiences to get in the way of this potential recovery. So Peter took the beggar by the hand and helped him up. He began to jump up and down, praising God. Can we, uh, does anyone, does anyone in this building myself included, do any of us have a life journey that compares to the realization in this man's heart when he realizes he can walk? Don't ever discount a miracle in the Bible. Don't ever underestimate, don't ever read it so often that you become callous to it. This man had never walked. Scripture says he jumped up and started walking and praising God. Not quite to this extent, but we, we often see this type of reaction. In our ministry. When a man or a woman has been afflicted for so many years, when their decisions have put them in such a place year after year, they might be 30 years old, they might be 60 years old, they have a lifetime of this, of these hurts and habits and hang-ups. When they finally realize that recovery is possible, to them it's a miracle. To them, they jump up and they start praising God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see this on a Thursday night. See, humans are, are built and, at, at different levels. and We have so many different needs. We have physical needs and mental needs and emotional and spiritual needs. We meet a lot of folks at CR that are suffering in all of these areas. The first eight verses of Acts chapter 3 make a good story. And it's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story of God's uh, miraculous workings in Jerusalem at that time. But we don't do miracles on Thursday nights. We don't give away money on Thursday nights. One of the things that I need to get across to you this morning is that CR is not benevolence. That's not our ministry. 
CR is mission work. We are intentional to share our story of how Jesus has walked with us. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, the power of Jesus, we want to share that with folks. But now the Spirit moves on to the rest of the story, and this is the part uh, verses 1 to 8 lays the context uh, in, in chapter 3. It lays the context for my sermon this morning. See, it's not just about the person that recovers. This man would never go back to that road in front of the temple to beg for food. Why would he go back and be a beggar now that he can walk? Now he can engage with folks. Now, now he can be a contributing member of society. He has no intention of going back to his life before recovery. The rest of the story is about the other folks. Luke continues, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Yesterday, this man was sitting on the corner. He couldn't get up. Today, the corner is empty, and he's running around praising God. Amen. That is a beautiful parallel to what we see on Thursday nights. When a man or a woman has been in recovery for many, has been in sin for these many years, that person has inflicted that life on other people that they love. Their immediate family knows exactly what dad and mom have been doing. They know exactly what the husband or spouse has been doing. The neighbors, the employer, the co-workers, everybody knows what's going on. In Acts chapter 3, the Holy Spirit reports more than just the reaction of the miraculously healed person Uh, The Spirit wants us to know that the story is about the folks that know the person that is recovered. Why, Why do we do celebrate recovery? Why do we do know your Bible? Why do we do our missions work? Why do why do we do any of the good things that we do? Certainly our love and concern is focused on that person. That's that's a big part of the story. But Jesus said in Matthew 5 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. That's why we serve every Thursday night to celebrate recovery. We want this person that came to us to enjoy the recovery available in Christ. And then we want everybody that knows them to know about God. And when they see the recovery, they will be amazed. They'll be amazed when dad stops drinking. They'll be amazed when mom stops her codependent behavior. The husband will be amazed at the wife. The wife will be amazed at the husband when the destructive pattern behavior in their marriage stops. We had a testimony recently uh, on a Thursday night, and the man said, there was so less, there was so much shouting in our house before CR. 
when she stopped doing this, when I stopped doing that. The shouting, the hollering, the yelling in our house came to a blessed stop. They were filled with wonder and they would have questions. So this was a teachable moment for Peter. And he went on to preach his sermon about what these folks in Jerusalem had done to the Son of God. This is also a teachable moment for us when we know the person, the the recovered person, the person who has has worked so hard with the power of Jesus to be recovered and and we're able to meet his or her family. They have questions. In the providence of God, we depend on that so that we can... Spread the word a little farther out. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. It's a beautiful story. In Acts chapter 3, there are four things that I hope that you will uh, remember, that you will understand and remember from, uh, from this lesson about Celebrate Recovery. Number one, it's all about God's power. You may have considered at one time or another being part of Celebrate Recovery, but, but you know that, that you don't have any training, you don't have any experience, you don't, it's, it's, uh, it's above your pay grade, it's, it's too deep water, you're not qualified to help these folks. And you're right, none of us are. Some of the stories that we hear, some of the life journeys that we hear at CR are more than we can resolve on our own. It brings tears to your eyes to talk with someone and they tell you things that you have, that you have no personal experience with, but they're not telling it just to you. They're telling their story to us because they want Jesus to hear it. We have established a connection, a trust. They can depend on us. They have seen in us Jesus' power for recovery. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God's power. Number two, CR is about healing. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and by no other name. Can you imagine being saved and not being healed? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Certainly eternal healing, that's, that's salvation. But in James 5, chapter 16, we're talking about healing in this life. And James said this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is, power, is powerful and effective. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry where believers in God can find healing in the improved understanding of God's Word by increased devotion to Jesus Christ and by confession and prayer. We live a better life after recovery than we would ever be able to live without the recovery that we found in Jesus. Number three. CR may not be for everyone. We hear this a lot. 
We hear this a lot, and it's a true statement. Northside offers many ministries, uh, many opportunities for you to serve, for, for us to serve God, for us to reach out to the lost, for us to build up this church family. But the rest of this sentence is also true. It's funny to think of it now, but in the first step study, which you have to have because you need to produce workers for the new ministry, the first Healing Grace step study that we had, there were 18 or 20 of us. All of us were there because CR, we needed CR to help somebody in our lives. Someone that we knew was struggling. We knew somebody that needed CR. And CR has been good for them. And it has been. It's a true statement. Each one of us first acknowledged that we needed CR. We needed additional recovery. We needed to deal with our own hurts, habits, and hang-ups before we could be of any use to somebody else. I was holding on to things that would prevent me from sharing my story with Christ. I had hurts and habits and hang-ups that I needed to leave at the cross. Did I skip one? That's backwards. Well, all right. Karen said, you're not going to be able to talk, click, and breathe. Anybody have a clue what comes after number three? Look at there. This is our application for the sermon this morning. We need you at CR. We need you to pray. We need you to pray often and fervently for the workers at CR. We need you to pray often and fervently for the people that we're working with. We need you to pray often and fervently for the people that God will bring to us in weeks and months to come. We need your money. That's the part that I couldn't find in my notes. I knew there was something that I was missing. Once a month or so, your Bible class will pass around an envelope, and you're thinking, yeah, this was just just last week. Don't ever think that, that we don't thank you for your contributions because we need that. We have a small budget. We have weekly expenses. Every Thursday night, the last 30 minutes, is a cafe time. You need cafe to have cafe time. I've said before that some of the best work, some of the most powerful healing available at CR comes over a couple of crackers and a grape. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch every Thursday night. Number four, the fourth way that we need you, we need you to give us a break on Thursday nights. Some of us have been working 30, 40, 45 weeks a year for eight years And we're tired. If you can give us an hour to clean up the kitchen from 8 to 9 o'clock on Thursday night, if you could do that for us for 90 days, I'll greet you with a holy kiss. Maybe you can help us at the door greeting folks for the first time. Maybe you can find it in your heart to participate in a small group. And we talk about two or three basic questions every week. How was your walk this week? How has God blessed you this week? How has Satan challenged you this week? 
Because when I tell them those things about me, and they tell me about uh, their week, we can build each other's recovery. In the Ministry Minutes article that I had in the bulletin this week, I ended that article with this, with this question. How is it possible that we can be short of volunteers for a ministry where newcomers come to the building looking for our Lord and Savior? How is that possible? I don't have a good answer for that. This morning, if you're looking for a Northside ministry, we have good work for you to do. We need you on Thursday nights. I would pray that that you would go back to Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's handiwork, created to do good works in Christ Jesus, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan for your leisure time. It might be Thursday nights at CR. If you have reason to share a concern with this church body this morning, every time that we meet, we extend the Lord's invitation. If you are not part of the, uh, the family of God, recovery is available to you, but salvation can only be had in Jesus. And we would love to help you with that question. If your walk has not been as strong as, it, as you would like for it to be, we can, uh, we can pray with you. We would love to do that. If you have a need of it for us this morning, please come while we stand and sing.